With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. After enduring over two days of drunken, under-deodorized nerd hype, we are back with a special BlizzCon edition of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's Seven, and we're coming at you live from a roadside motel just a mere one-hour stroll from the Anaheim Convention Center. Not too bad on foot. Well, you know. I guess my bunny. The weather's, the weather's nice. There's that random guy out there with... Like, I don't know, shooting those, like, helicopter things yeah. into the air, keeping us entertained. And then the guy looking for his vein behind a tree. That was that was classy. <laughs> at, least he wasn't, at least he wasn't pooping like we thought. <laughs> Someone's like, behind that tree, behind that tree, walk on this side. He protected me, to be fair. Like, he he sacrificed his body in case there was any splatter. <laughs> I don't This is, like, getting in far too great detail. <laughs> on this week's show, it is all about that sweep. South Korea dominated an Overwatch in the HGC, but surprisingly not StarCraft. Warcraft 3 may be making a comeback. Hearthstone is changing something. WoW continues to go two different directions with its esports programs and a lot more. But first, let's talk about BlizzCon. Are you excited about your experience at BlizzCon this year? Isn't the, isn't the entire... St- show about blizzcon first let's talk about blizzcon it's the entire story the entire podcast around blizzcon uh i think it's been uh, it's been a a fun year but i would say underwhelming in terms of announcements but it's been fun to play uh ash from overwatch we've got a ton of time doing that um, and playing some other games yes there's some underwhelming pieces there's a lot of weird drama i didn't get a box of lucio o's yeah no i I mean those that's that was definitely the the saddest part of the con for me was you not getting cereal. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you share my pain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So as you mentioned, Blizzard released a new cinematic titled Reunion, which pulled triple duty this weekend, serving as a way to flesh out McCree's backstory, launching a new hero or two, and teasing at least one other. Ash is a damaged hero that uses a rifle, coach gun, dynamite, and her robot henchman, Bob. Uh, but we also got a very obvious tease for a future hero named Echo, other than uh, maybe kind of sort of being right about your prediction, uh, are you more hyped for Ash, Echo? Kind of, sort of right. You can just admit it. I might, I was pretty much dead on the money that we were going to get a double a double announcement. And again, we were, we were front, front row while this was going on. And I was just grinning ear to ear because I'm like, oh, wait, want one. You didn't even two. wait. You were like, every time we would get one part of the trailer, see, I told you there's going to be, there's going to be six of them. Yeah, no. Well, I didn't say we're going six. I I, I claim there would be two reveals. Technically, 
Uh, there were two. Echo was listed as one, but wasn't ready, so they weren't going to discuss it. And then Ash and Bob, which I guess you could say is two, but it's really just one character. But we did get a double. So you are finally admitting that part. No, I'm still. Either way, I'm right. So that's the part I'll admit to. I will humbly admit that I'm like, like was, any good relationship. Right. One person is always right. <laughs> you, you totally, you totally were, were just waiting for there not to be a second reveal, so you could say, "I told you so." I was called crazy that there would be two, and I, I got two. I said no map, and that there would be two. Well, saying no map, they told us that. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you are such the esports prophet. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, also in World uh, the Overwatch, we had the World Cup. Uh, we did see several upsets. Uh, your, your boys, US? Uh, no, I don't know. My boys? Wait a know. second. I actually have boys in this tournament. It is not the US. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, right. Uh, US and Finland both got knocked out earlier on in the tournament. I mean, ultimately, we knew South Korea was going to win this one, and of course, they walked away handedly, Fordo and their victory against China. Now, another sweep. Yeah, definitely, definitely another sweep, uh, or the first sweep of this podcast, but many more are to come, obviously. Uh, so, but we thought really the match that stole the show was Canada versus Great Britain. Um, Canada, which we assumed would, would go the distance somewhat, right? Uh, They've they've done it in the past. They've they've been contenders into that top four, uh, I believe it's top four. But Great Britain was kind of a nobody came out of no, uh, nobody out of nowhere. Nobody out of nowhere. Know all the things. Yeah, it was the most exciting match, if nothing else, out of all the Overwatch World Cup matches. The gameplay between the two of them, where they both just basically went goat or forced each other into goat, or it was goats all the time. Goats everywhere. And it was surprising to me how entertaining this match actually ended up being. Like you mentioned, I think it was a bit of a disappointment for Canada to find themselves there after almost winning it all last year against South Korea, of course, being a dark horse then too, but returning a lot of the same players that they did that with last year. And for them to find themselves in the bronze medal match may have been a little bit disappointing, far more surprising for uh, the UK to be there. But in the end, the amount of close calls and last-minute holds and last-minute captures and the number of times where we're like, oh, there's no way, and holy shit, they're doing it. Yeah, it was amazing to watch. We actually saw, a, I think it was Cannon take Volsky with five seconds left. Yes. They, even the announcer's like, well, they're not. it's not going to happen. It's pretty much out, but it is Canada, so you can't totally call them out. And they literally took it with five seconds left. Insane. And, yeah, yeah. Not to, not to mention... Uh, this is what I was confirming a little bit before the show. Confirming XQC, are you the XQC played two maps with no right mouse button. That's why they played so much Winston. Everybody kept saying, like, why are they doing Winston on this point and not Reinhardt? I think it was even mentioned by uh, the casters. Like, usually it's the Reinhardt hold and they used Winston because he didn't have a right mouse button. So evidently in one of the earlier maps, he was getting like a one second delay on stuff. So, which is one of the reasons why I think he was playing Reinhardt and they, the whole team dropped to like a, a diva explosion or something bad happened. Oh, it was an, or it was a shatter. Um, and he couldn't get, he couldn't get he shield, get shield up, in up in time. And so after that, they just kept swip, switching to Winston because, uh, he didn't have a right mouse button. And, and someone even clipped on, on Twitch, uh, the stream or the point in which he turned to an admin and said, Hey, you know, in typical XQC fashion, says uh, like 500 miles per hour, so it probably wasn't understood that he actually <laughs> they, they was needed like, an interpreter yeah, for Team Canada. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and so he's showing him that like he's got no right mouse button. I don't know why he didn't fight for a new mouse, 
but evidently he just decided, hey, I'll play without a mouse. Uh, or without, Makes for a great story mouse. now, right? It is. He's really making that play to get signed to an Overwatch League roster again. I honestly think it's going to happen again. Oh, it's good. There's 100% it's going to happen. I, and speaking of which, I think uh, it's it was more likely Kib, than there being Kib. two heroes announced Kib, for no Kib, <laughs> Kib on Great Britain, I will be surprised if he is not picked up by somebody. His was, wrecking ball play was it insane. Was, it, it, no, his character depth, uh, his hero depth was, was insane as well. He had that awesome tracer play on Volskaya. He had, uh, he went wrecking ball the wrecking ball to the, it. to the back line was just nuts he'd like one shot at a zenyatta on the back line after just sitting there for about five seconds and lining up this perfect shot on the second point of volskaya and somehow ended up right over the bridge slammed down took out the zenyatta it was just yeah. like just about any time they needed they needed things to totally swing in their direction he was he was the man to call on yep, yep. he was also doing some roadhog for them as well he did was, yep. it was very good roadhog uh, moving on to a world of, of sadness and despair and disappointment for Seven. Blizzard unveiled a, a tiny sliver of the latest Hearthstone expansion, the last one for Year of the Raven, uh, Rastakhan's Rumble. Uh, it brought us a new overkill mechanic, lowest spirits, and a Gurubashi Arena-themed solo adventure. Did they show you enough to get you excited about Hearthstone there, Seven? So they definitely didn't show enough in the reveal on the stage. Uh, I think they only showed like three or four cards. Overall, they've released about 12 cards. And as I took a, a second look at them, uh, again, just before the show, I, I realized what they're doing again. They always have this habit. The third series in the set uh, always plays back against the very first uh, one that's about to be rotated out. So there's a lot of things that like help with quests and stuff in this one because they know, okay, well, we'll take those quests that weren't so powerful, we'll maybe make them powerful, and they're only powerful for three months, so deal with it. Um, because it's there's there are a lot of things in this, uh, like Shrivala, which is the legendary for uh, paladins, uh, is based off of how many spells you play. Even all the, the paladin cards revealed so far, like, hey, when you play a bunch of spells on this, you can put a copy of it back into your deck, and it keeps all the, the buffs, kind of like, uh, um, uh, yeah, the rogue weapon, that one. Kingsbane. And so, yeah, I think it was under underwhelming in some respects, in a lot of respects. The demo did not help. The demo was not fun. Um, it, it was it, a ghost town. You saw tumbleweeds just rolling across the demo stations. It was, yeah, because we played with uh, with Jocelyn, or I played uh, like five matches with Jocelyn, and we were literally not killing each other because we wanted to get through the entirety of the deck to see how many cards were in the deck, and each deck only contained maybe like two cards. And maybe well, there were there were other cards in there, but, but we don't know if they but were we don't like know real. if they're real because at the beginning of it, they pop up this thing saying some of these cards are just overpowered on purpose; they're not actually within the game. But they don't tell you which ones; it just happens <laughs> happens to be that way. It was definitely a sad times at the Hearthstone demo station. Yeah, it, well, if you looked at that, uh, we'll talk about the HGG now. Uh, the Hearthstone Global Games talk about a ghost town as well. Uh, China defeated take a nap. China <laughs> defeated Brazil. Three to nothing. I was I was watching that, and in the background, they finally started showing like the the you know everybody crowd. in the seating, the crowd, and it was only like three rows deep. It was pretty sad because people they should have tapped really the Trump administration. Could have made that shit look like hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> Tons of MAGA hats. Anyways, uh, so China defeated Brazil three zero uh, to win the Hearthstone Global Games, despite Brazil having the best record um, and going 
uh, all the way through. They were only dropping, I think, one game in the entire HGG tournament. Uh, so Brazil did have uh, Race on there, who was the uh, who dropped out in HCT Summer in the group stages. Uh, Omega Zero, which dropped out in the group stages as well in the 2017 World Championship on the opposite side. So there were some solid players on this one. But like I mentioned, not a huge crowd. Were you interested in the, the global games at all? I mean, did you almost buy that hoodie? No, no, I think you did, though. You're just trying to mix up the color blocking. I was I was thinking about yeah. buying it only because it was blue, not because it said Hearthstone Global Games. But then I was just like, no, no, no. This but is part of a, a, a larger general theme for me, yes. which is that more esports need to matter at BlizzCon. There has been this weird diametrically opposed moves on their half where they are saying, okay, we are going to reduce the number of major Blizzard esports events that take place at blizzcon we no longer are getting anything overwatch related because overwatch league runs separately we're not getting the hct anymore that happens separately and so they're slowly phasing things out while giving each game a stage so you end up in these scenarios like we saw down in the hearthstone arena where it was a venerable ghost town down there and they also didn't help themselves with the fact that i forgot this damn tournament was still even going on this thing has been a thing since like what June when they first started yeah, talking about it's voting, been, it's been on. It's been going on for a while. Um, it's also not the most competitive. There's not really like a huge prize pool that people are going for. It's it's literally an invitational, um, and I don't think it's one of those things that has a huge draw. It was definitely shown here that there was not a huge draw. I think the invitational that they did last year. Uh, actually more. had had mattered more because there were new cards and people were building decks with new cards and this was not showcasing new cards same old meta a bunch of people that like arguably the the china region hasn't done well in hearthstone uh, they tend to show up every once in a while they don't win big right and brazil's always trying to kind of claw their way into into the uh the americas region and and earn some you know so it, some wins so the two teams uh, which is awesome that they they made it this far they're very talented they just never seem to make it all the way through uh, and and went out except for a couple of years ago i think china actually got a a big win celestial um yeah celestial whatever his name was <laughs> during firebat he lost to firebat that was the one where Firebat was telling us like he was. You know you're room. famous when we remember you by who you lost against. It's like it was like Tiddler Celestial. Like you remember that name, man. You remember that somehow. I do. I only remember because he was talking. Firebat was talking about he was playing against him. He took his shoe off in the middle of playing and started picking his feet. He was, it was the weirdest, most like craziest. Like this is a more like, interesting story than watching the global games. I'll admit that it is. It is. Uh, Firebat might have been drunk when he's telling that story. But anyways. Uh... <laughs> I was not supposed to share that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Global games, Blizzard, not, do something different. You're not a fan? No. Not, a fan? not at all. Hoodie or not. Okay. I, I'll be honest. Like I can't think of anything well, sillier than making global games merchandise. I th- <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> Unless it was global games, a flamethrower. Well, so one more, one more thing before we hop into this next very, very fun topic. I'll get uh, my pitchfork out. I know, right, right. Warm it, like sharp, warm it up and sharpen it. Whatever it, t- whatever you do with the pitchfork when you're about to warm it up, like a hot know. pocket. Here you go. Uh, is I'm losing my train of thought now because we just jumped all around. Uh, okay, you had talked about the fact that they they pulled some esports titles, like the the big tournaments, away from BlizzCon mm-hmm. because of a couple reasons. One, they did, they were cannibalizing viewership. Right, they felt that they were cannibalizing viewership. I argue that they're not, and so especially with Hearthstone versus maybe Hearthstone and Warcraft, but I think I don't think so. 
Um, not nearly as much as they think. Um, the other fl- to the the flip side, I mean, they're broadcasting them all anyways, so it's not a matter of manpower or people doing it. And the other thing was is they had to share stages r- in the past. But now they, they don't. Doing That's it. why I said it's weird because they they're like, here's a new stage for each game. Here's a crappy tournament. No one cares about to play on it. And oh, and so yeah, t- 2019. Uh, we you know Hearthstone's going to hopefully change up their format. We've already heard that Warcraft has something in the works, so maybe that one continue to end at BlizzCon. And I just realized we didn't hear anything about franchising at all this week. There wasn't even merch for franchising, dude. Nope, nope. There are a lot of things missing. A lot of things missing. That is the theme, the secondary theme of BlizzCon. Uh, another theme of BlizzCon was that Blizzard unveiled Diablo Immortal, a new mobile multiplayer take on the franchise co-developed with uh, Chinese company NetEase. And I'd like to say there was much rejoicing, but I don't think there was. Uh, do you have at your pitchfork that apparently you're warming up? Uh, <laughs> or or will you spend some time on the toilet playing the latest Diablo? Uh, so the big thing here was that uh, obviously Diablo fans want Diablo 4 for in some Clearly. way, shape, or form in their head if Anything else comes out non-Diablo 4, but is within the Diablo canon, that means Diablo 4 is just backburnered until it's done. It's not the case. Things go on simultaneously. NetEase did a majority of the heavy lifting on this. I think, uh, if anything, uh, Blizzard had just been working on the art, because this is already a game that had been come out. It's just been reskinned, we found out. Oh, and NetEase has been doing it now. That didn't help fuel. That didn't, that didn't stop but this, that didn't put out the fire. It definitely no, the, pitch, the pitchforks got warmer. Yeah. Right, right. It definitely got a crazy to the point where their Q&A session uh, was... They, they kicked people out. Is this advanced swearing? Fuck that guy. I think it, I think it was pretty... It was very disrespectful. But also at the same point in time, like, this is... You could tell from the announcement Blizzard was having that awkward moment of Tencent slash NetEase has... Well, Tencent basically came to us and says, you're going to make the mo- this mobile version of Diablo. We want we want more mobile money, and it will make do it well, and the amount of development time is cut in half because this game's already made. And it was made by NetEase, which has been a partner with them since they moved into China with, yeah, War- well, with World, World of Warcraft. Warcraft yep. So it's not like they haven't been dealing with NetEase, but this is definitely, I think, Tencent slash Activision pushed this one through. This was... Well, it didn't help their case because the game was given such prominence at the event. Right. They had a very large demo area that they had the units that turned out to be Samsung Galaxy phones under boxes, and it got the prime panel slot immediately after the opening ceremony at the main stage. Um they, it was the cornerstone announcement, and that's the challenge here, right? Like, it was the cornerstone announcement yeah. is usually what they reserve for, like, a new WoW expansion or Diablo 4, which I think is what everybody was hoping for. And we'd made some commentary in the past about how it was very clear that Blizzard was going out of their way to downplay announcements around this certain things, and Diablo was one of them, and this is why. And you had an interesting point when we were talking during the con that you thought, like, this was Blizzard kind of knowing this was going to happen, they were going to be take it on the chin you know, for the good of the yeah. business and, and move on. And I think that's largely right. I think so. If anything, the community re- reaction, at least within North America, uh, shows that, uh, you know, 
in, the next time Tencent comes around and says, we would like you to do this, they can point to how this fiasco of Diablo gone down. We were out at dinner and like the dude, the waiter, we were, uh, was even talking about it. it oh, was, like, yeah. We were like, like, there was a huge group of people like dissing Diablo. Like it became like a chant just, while everybody was making Trying to dinner. have some Mongolian barbecue. and Yeah, this, it was just insane that it's gone this this far and why. I, I don't. We're I horrible don't people's gamers sometimes. We really are. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Uh, however, there was World of Warcraft is always huge. It's always a big BlizzCon thing. Uh, and then that this is. weekend, we saw Free Marzi, who won the original or the very first uh, Mythic Dungeon Invitational, come back and win another uh, two to nothing over Method NA. Sweep. Yep, another sweep. And Method Orange defeated the Gosu crew, swept them. Four to nothing in Wild Arena. The funny part here is that the semifinals in the upper bracket was Method Orange versus Method Black. It's Me- Halloween. <laughs> I know, right? Me- it could have technically been an all-Method uh, final, but Method Black lost out to the Gosu crew. So with this, though, we saw how many people were there and how much involvement was there. And maybe is is it because BlizzCon skews heavy towards World of Warcraft? We've seen numbers on Twitch say elsewhere you know something completely different what do you think blizzard's going to do how are they going to pick which one to go for esports they've clearly divided them now yep is it is it is 2019 going to be year, the year they choose one or are they going to just do both so there's a couple of things here one i feel like they still don't quite get it and i do agree with the with the part of the question where you talk about wow being you know blizzcon being very skewed towards wow because i mean it's largely the game that started driving blizzcon even be a thing but i will say this when you look at the seating arrangement they could have donated some seats from the hearthstone arena to the mythic dungeon invitational because you and i walked up there they didn't have nearly enough seats there was people crowded all over the place probably would have had even more if there was room they'd paint they'd put another demo area like butted up against it we have seen numbers on twitch especially for the mythic dungeon invitational blow away the hgc in some cases, 60,000, 70,000 concurrent viewers, whereas the arena has largely suffered it. And people, you know, there's still people that watch it and they enjoy it. And you do see a decent turnout at BlizzCon because it is skewed, but the viewer numbers on arena do not low. back that up compared to the MDI. Well, historically, that's also been MLG has ran that. So Blizzard hasn't made a huge push for Correct. the arenas. Now that they've, they've basically done what Ely did to us and claimed them, uh, is that they, they now have, have chosen to uh, really invest in it. And we were talking to PR, and PR says, shortly we will find out what's going on in 2019, but it sounds like MLG will still retain all of the Warcraft uh, esports, and it sounds a lot like they're going to push MDI as like their forefront. I sure hope so. I mean, there's fresh content coming all the time, because whenever there's a new expansion that comes out or a new raid that opens up that is new content that they can use for these events, they've clearly put in some software work. Yeah, I was going to say, they've even done some development strictly around this. Because they have, they have specific rules that are not normal to how raiding works that work in the MDI, and they built that into the client. I, and this is bold, and I don't think they'd ever do this, but I say pull the investment from Arena and direct it to MDI, because MDI is doing well with a relatively small amount of promotion they give the hgc more promotion and more support than they do the mdi right now like imagine if they did some of the cheer mode things and the loot and things of that nature around the mdi that they're doing around the hgc and, and uh, hearthstone both arguably that 
don't necessarily pull as big numbers as the MDI has in the past. I think it would be a good way to, to spend that money. You could still do it in Columbus. You know, you still have the MLG people do it. I don't think it has anything to do with MLG. It has everything to do with the fact that Arena is just not as popular as it used to be, and certainly not as popular as rating is. And we saw how hype people used to get years and years ago when Method would do these you know, demo runs or speed runs at BlizzCon, whether it was for like a new raid they were announcing or whatever. They'd often preview content that way, and it was very interesting. And we've talked you know, many times in the past about this. But overall, like, I think that's exactly what they need to do. That's their bread and butter for WoW. I think so. I think so as well. And maybe next year we'll see uh, them actually have more space to to do. And they were standing room only for a, a yep. majority of that. And Swap it happened that in the last Hearthstone year. stage. We should be fine. So one of the things I do want to mention that is totally not even on our notes, but hit me again right before the show. I know. I know. I know. This is what happens. So glad we're prepared. I know. No. Is in like June... Or like April, May, June, right around like late spring, early summer. That's a very wide time window you just carved out there. Well, I don't. I can't remember when I was looking around at it. But Blizzard was looking for a director of events, which means there was no, and it was specifically calling out BlizzCon. They didn't have someone to head up BlizzCon for until like maybe early summer, and I think that shows this year because. Well, and they interviewed the woman, and it sounded like this was her first year doing. No, she was the head of esports. Not no, 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 no. There was a woman during the opening ceremonies, just before it started, that they talked to on, like, in the audience, and she was the event coordinator for BlizzCon. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, she had made a comment that this was, you know, she'd been with Blizzard for a while, but this was her first year heading up the BlizzCon production. Right, and I don't think she actually slotted into that role until this summer, so... And a convention of this size and to wrangle all the different production groups to get everything in order. Uh, they made some some good changes. I like how they changed the Mythic stage around. That was solid. Uh, but we saw we, we, Hearthstone was missing their, their tavern, right? There, it wasn't there. Uh, clearly, they had Warcraft reforged, <laughs> butting up against uh, World of Warcraft. And just uh, they could have used pushed that out and, and gained... A dozen more seats, a dozen more rows, easily, um, and so there. There's some questionable things, and and I think the overall feeling, while not so much as just like the quote unquote disappointment in the announcements, is it definitely felt like Blizzard wasn't Blizzard this year. They were like off. There was just something off. off. Like they were prepared. They weren't prepared. You've got and when you accompany that with people leaving, you start to question like is Blizzard slipping a little Shit, bit? And I out. think it's just timing. You're going to have years in production where you just don't have amazing no, shit and, to announce. No, and they used to not do a BlizzCon sometimes when that would happen. Right. They were just like, we got to be buckled down and work. Instead, they're taking their time out to do it, and people are like, oh, it's not good enough. I mean, you can't have an Overwatch announcement as like a new game yep. every year. Just, it's not reasonable. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. Uh, moving on. Hey, we're about to cover StarCraft. For those of you that ping us endlessly on Twitter <laughs> saying that we need to cover StarCraft, brace yourselves. Uh, so Sorrel defeats Stats 4-2 to two to become the first non-Korean to take home the title of BlizzCon and the first and only tournament at BlizzCon to not end in a sweep. This is true. Which is uh, just, it almost did, though. He was up 3-0. 3-0. It almost ended in a reverse, reverse sweep. sweep. Which would have been super ironic. Is this the end of uh, Korean dominance in the WCS or uh, just a blip on the radar? It's totally a blip on the radar. <laughs> no, I just like to be hyperbolic. But So Maro dominated the Korean circuit as uh, he won every GSL uh, tournament this past year. Cyril dominated the WCS and won GSL versus the world. So in all of that, I mean, that was like the, the plan right 
that was the plan. I was like, these two could possibly meet. And Mario got dumped real early. And so that went completely the opposite. Yep. And there's a lot of comparisons to uh, League of Legends and, and Worlds and how that played out this year. And we saw like the earlier, stronger people just get dumped. And then the three O's. Yeah, and then the three O's again. Um, I, I, it's, I think, obviously, Serral is incredibly talented. Uh, the run he did was well-deserved. It's There's no question that he should have been there. And it was exciting because you didn't know. Like, think of everything that happened here, right? Everybody was pulling for that Serral-Maru final. SOS knocks Maru out. Stats Mar- knocks SOS out. Like, that whole top bracket, super unpredictable, which was great to see. Yeah, yeah. And we also saw thought, uh, I mentioned earlier on, it's more than likely going to be SOS and Serral. And it almost ended up being that until he just wasn't able to get that get past i think the semis i think sos made it through the semis but yeah, didn't make it through to the finals and that's where he lost to stats yeah so. and so uh one other thing i was thinking about before the show and i didn't tell you about i'm just kidding dude <laughs> <Good> lord <laughs> all right so uh one last thing i do uh want to bring up is is the classics game we mentioned a little bit about world of warcraft uh, a little bit ago but the blizzard classic games announced their second remastered game which is warcraft 3 reforged this is the revival of that classic RTS, the only one that I really didn't get super invested in, ironically. Uh, and they've decided to up, uh, upgrade the graphics, the gameplay mechanics, the sound, uh, and obviously will release TBD in 2019. Blizzard soon. Yeah, Blizzard soon. So we hoped uh, that Blizzard would do something with StarCraft Remastered from an eSports standpoint. We, we were somewhat concerned that maybe... It would overshadow. It could, yeah, it's Star- a plant. Right. StarCraft 2. Uh, but it didn't. And and now with uh, Warcraft 3 being something that they've already come out and said, like, you need to have a license to run a tournament for, do you think they'll actually put some weight behind it or will it suffer the same fate? Uh, I struggle with this one. So Warcraft 3 has one thing that StarCraft Remastered didn't have is that Sorry, flip that. StarCraft II Remasters had one problem that War- that uh, Warcraft Reforged does not have, which is it still had to deal with StarCraft II. Like, StarCraft Remastered had to go up against a, you know another game in the franchise that was actively being played as an eSport. All you really have is the current version of Warcraft Three that is still played as an eSport, as you mentioned. You know, it is available to be licensed, but it doesn't make as much sense unless they drastically change some things in the gameplay between the two versions. Why you wouldn't just move over to Reforge? There is no Warcraft Four to you know draw audience away. I think it would be good. The RTS genre in general is kind of hit or miss from an esports perspective there are things in the world going on around particular ones but none of them like really big starcraft is still you know the money rts but warcraft 3 played at blizzcon until fairly recently i think maybe two years ago you and i were at blizzcon and like surprised that we found a little area where they were still doing warcraft 3 so we could see that again it is now currently not done at blizzcon but it would be awesome if they could bring it back so i would like them to However, I don't think they will. It just feels right. like another thing they don't have time for unless they're going to do like a Blizzard Classics esports thing and do both StarCraft Remastered and this, and that could be kind of cool, but I just don't see Blizzard investing in it. So with StarCraft Remastered, I think there was uh, a group in Korea that tried to spin up a league and do some stuff with it. It didn't go very, very far because obviously every, everything from a money standpoint was being invested in the current version of StarCraft. With 
this, I don't think there's a huge scene. I don't think there's a huge scene anywhere in particular that, that, that I know of. I know it's still played. There are still small tournaments here and there, but there's not like a league that's huge that I know of. Somebody's going to write us and tell us, tell me how awful and dumb I am for not knowing exactly that. Come on, seven. But uh, I really do think that the other reason why I think that RTSs have a hard time gaining any traction in, in North America, and this is something that I think you might have been in a, com- a part of a conversation when we were talking with Roby from Secrets. Chris, yeah, when we were talking to Rob- with Roby from uh, this week in esports over there on Mixer was we were saying uh, any any kind of game that has that is largely dominated by countries outside of North America tends to have a problem picking up any kind of steam in North America. Yep. Oh, we saw this with Worlds, right? Like we have we have prophesized that Worlds had the viewership numbers it had this year because for once it wasn't dominated by Koreans. Right. And so historically until now, uh till ironically just now. Enough. Yeah, and so I think that also really really helped StarCraft. Now, there's another point I want to make is that really really helped StarCraft. And maybe maybe it's a shot in arm StarCraft needed or well, maybe we've seen the RTS this. we saw Scarlet earlier in the year. Like there have been yeah. enough non-Korean players winning that yes, it's still a big deal, but the tide feels like it's turning to a certain degree. It does. It does. It it would be good to see something new, especially from an RTS standpoint. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, you and I have this running joke every year I predict that this is we're going to get Warcraft 3 remastered and Finally, we get it. Finally. Yeah. Super stoked. Moving on to the next topic, we're actually going to do a little bit of tag action. Tag team action. Got to work wrestling in there somehow. Joining us now is our lovely producer, Jules Scott. Welcome to the show, Jules. Hey, it's been a long time. I'm, I'm happy to be here in the same room looking at the lovely Brian Huff. I have never done this before. Are you sucking up right now? Because there's no raises coming this year. <laughs> Seven is the background. I'm not looking at you because you're behind me. <laughs> G7. Uh, so Jules is joining us to talk about probably the most prominent thing in esports happening at BlizzCon, which is the Heroes of the Storm and the HGC. Uh, let's talk about Gen G dismantling Dignitas, continuing our streak of sweeps in the finals. Uh, what surprised you about the HGC this year at BlizzCon and, and what not so much? Uh, everything surprised me. Wow. Yeah. But you're supposed to be like an expert, like Seven. He's predicting that like nine heroes are about to get announced next week. Well, I mean, I'm not the savant that Seven is, but I can uh, <laughs> But I can tell you this. Everybody had the same prediction, including myself, that it was going to be Gen G and Dignitas in the finals. We knew this. It was going to happen. Surprise. And surprise, surprise, we got our wish. It was the same matchup that happened at the midseason brawl back into the springtime. And that was a, it was a baller match. It was insane. Baller. It was. It was baller. I mean, it's the best way I can put it. You were busting out the 90s hip hop. I could say rad. I mean, I, mean, I, I like saying rad a lot. So. <laughs> um, we're so in tune with the kids. Yeah, completely. Like, totally. Because we're in go. California. So. <laughs> what have I started? You, de- you, you know, you derail me. It's your You're fault. Just, what is it about that chair? No matter who I sit in that chair, I make one joke and like the, the train just leaps off the tracks and goes over the cliff. It's your personality, I Brian. It's clearly, there's a commonality in it this has, problem. It has nothing to do with the chair, Brian. <laughs> the common denominator is you, Brian. 
All right, so we fired Jules from the show. Wrapping yep, this yep, up. Yep, the... See you later. Um. <laughs> so we were hoping for Gen G and Dignitas. We got, we got Gen it. G and Dignitas, and then it was just a giant, sad marching trombone. Well, because we were expecting so much from it, because it went to seven games in the midseason brawl, Gen G wound up winning it, but it was so close. So this was the time. Gen G was the returning champions for BlizzCon. Dignitas has been the best in the West. Like overall, they just they couldn't nobody could take them down. And then you get to the finals, and I don't know, did someone like pee in their Cheerios or something? Because I, I think them and Fnatic over in League of Legends had a little too much to drink together, and then it just all went yeah. I mean, like honestly, I, I I don't know why, but because Dignitas has been up on the stage for so many times, but it really looked like they had a lot of nerves going on, like just not playing in their confidence style, and they had just taken out. Another Korean team, Miracle, prior, that was to, to get them into the finals. And they looked confident and they looked, they were playing aggressively. And it was just like there were, there were plays that they made, especially in like in, in the first game of the series with them and Gen G, that it was like, why are you being so overly aggressive now? I mean, we know that Gen G is an aggressive team. But they it, psych themselves out trying to adjust for Gen G. It I seems guess like, instead of just playing their own game, instead of playing the game that got them got them there at the first place. So that was a huge surprise. Um, another big surprise that kind of came around for the NA, NA side of things because it was Heroes Hearth Esports and Temple Storm who came in, and Temple Storm they were in the round of eight with Heroes Hearth. Heroes Hearth played their heart out. It was really really close against Team Liquid. It went to three games and Team Liquid won, but Temple Storm. Just basically threw it from wah, wah. with these drafts that nobody could have seen coming, and it was a moment where we were all just like, "Did these guys just give up?" Like they were, they drafted in one game. They drafted Murky, Abathur, and Samuro in one game. In one game, these are not meta heroes. If you don't play Heroes of the Storm, these are like, it's just like whack out comps to try to maybe throw off Gen G and just defeat they them. They do realize game. this is Gen G, right? They do realize it's BlizzCon and it's $500,000 on the line. Clearly not. Oh, and Tempo Storm is not the kind of team that I would have expected to be the, you know, whack out comp thing. But it's been a thing in NA for the last six months where... That's worked really well. Well, it had for some... It had, and so people were like, because Temple Storm has been running a composition lately called the Tank Uther composition, and Uther is a healer, but they don't run him as a healer, they run him as a tank, and they had some success with it, and so it was like, instead of us playing a game where we were all, because they, they are this all-star team, right? So it just, it's so frustrating to be an NA fan on that kind of thing, because it the general consensus is like they just they just fucked it up. At some point, your strategy has to be more than just surprise people and throw them off their game because eventually they figure it out. And then you have to come up with a new surprise comp that is somewhat viable that will surprise people. Exactly, because you you can come in maybe once, maybe twice. They're going to ban you out. Now, what do you have? What's your what's your what's your goal? What's your what's your strategy? You, clearly, you don't have one. Exactly. And so it, and you usually fall back to joke comps when you don't have confidence in your roster being able to work together cohesively. And this is why the HGC still just like baffles me. This is BlizzCon. <laughs> it's the finals. Get it together. Well, there was one other thing that was really baffling to us fans too, and that was the structure of this HGC finals. It was only two days of the actual finals. They had the group stages leading up to it. Yep. But this was 
the round of eight was only best of threes in single elimination, which has not happened for a while. And then they moved into best of fives for the semis and the finals. For So got it all in in two days. In other of those larger tournaments like the big season, the, the big season brawl. The, the big mid- season. <laughs> the mid-season brawl was a double elimination bracket over three days. You know. This is a, and I guess so, contradicting something I said earlier in the show, this is one of those things that doing it at BlizzCon does cause problems because they're stuck to a more rigid schedule because there's other things happening around these events. But again, we have separate stages that should solve this problem. We shouldn't care if the HGC runs over. And that's largely what this smells of is that, well, we're doing this at BlizzCon. We have to be very careful about timing. The HGC, if you remember back to last year, was notoriously behind yes. on schedule compared to everybody else and so they overcompensated it feels like to the detriment potentially of the quality of the gameplay that we got to watch especially because to the players this is the epitome of the season this is the tops this is the thing they want the most it's a five hundred thousand dollar prize for a first place win yep like that's big deal we need more in the best of three yeah maybe they should have given up some of the time for the best of sevens we had to deal with elsewhere yeah and so and I don't even remember if we actually mentioned the score, but <laughs> at the end, sweep. it was a sweep. Surprise, surprise. And to be fair, Dignitas really brought it out on game three. It really looked like they were going to go back and do a reverse sweep. I was actually sitting next to a guy who was holding up a sign that said, you can't do a reverse sweep if you don't go 0-2 first. <laughs> and he put it on the camera, and I was like pointing at the sign. It was, it was funny. Um, he was a huge Dignitas fan, and then they mentioned it on stream, and he was like, what? We're all screaming at the guy. Look, your sign was on the thing! And he just wasn't paying attention. So, Well, clearly neither was Dignitas. No, and that's... It's just sad because it was JPL's last game. He's retiring. One of the OG tanks in EU, one of the ones that defined the tank meta. This was his swan song, and that's how they went out. Uh, It's disappointing. Also in Heroes of the Storm, in true BlizzCon fashion, we get another unique hero reveal that is given free to everybody that attended as well as the virtual ticket holders. So this is in the past. We've got the Lost Vikings. we got Cho'Gal. This year... We get Orphea, who is the first Nexus exclusive HOTS hero. Do they need to do more of this? You know, it was interesting. Seven and I had this conversation as we walked out of the announcement, and we were like, this might actually be good for the game because they are no longer restricting to them themselves to their own lore, which and oftentimes has the Holy Trinity, right? Like, we're, we have this Holy Trinity, so everything's kind of based off of these, these three classes, does this allow them to kind of break the mold of the traditional Blizzard game? Or is this going to be like we've seen in the past where it's just going to be a one-off thing and they never do anything with it again? There's mixed reviews for that in the community because the game has always been the culmination of all the other game's characters being in one place. Some characters that you just have a love for and that you've played since you were a kid. And murky. And murky. And and ETC. And so, you know, things like that. People just have this connection to these characters. The sad part for people reacting to this and saying we don't like this you know, manufactured lore is that reason. I think, honestly... As opposed to the real historical lore that the rest of the games have. Well, yeah, I mean... I remember in civics class, I read all about the sacking of Tildrasil. Historical lore. I, I mean, you know, you're kind of redundant <laughs> with your historical lore. <laughs> but the 
I personally think it's great because then it has an Overwatch flavor to me. Overwatch is completely manufactured content. We don't know. We didn't know what was coming with Ash. Like all of a sudden, poof, there's brand new storyline, brand new backstory, brand new characters, a new setting. Like, oh my gosh. And this has been brought in by a series of comics that have been leading up with the Raven Lord. Um, we knew Orphea was possibly coming into the game. And the sky is the limit. Like, she is badass looking. She is badass looking. She's got a great story. She wears a freaking coffin on her back. It's very much got, as somebody who's a Japanese anime fan, a fighting game fan, it's got that arc system works, high school of the dead, like, kind of feel to it. So I can understand why, if you're more traditional Blizzard, sword and board, you know, sci-fi traditionalist, that this might bother you as, like, a hardcore anime fan that loves this kind of quirky shit. Like, this is why I play Arc System Works fighting games, because there's a guy strapped to a bed called Bedman and, like, attacks people. So if I can get a little bit of that, I'm not expecting him to go, you know, completely jump the shark like Arc would, but, like, to see a little bit of this was awesome. And what was hilarious to me is when they showed the high school-themed skins... Which included oh my God, yes. Yes, Leoric yes, yes. the janitor with yes. like a with like a pink bar of soap like at a Fight Club like mount. Everybody got super hyped. It's like you know it seems to care if the skins break the lore and just make them do stupid things. We got once to turn them into freaking like mechs and transformers and shit, but we got really really angry about the chick with the coffin on her back. I think that's actually BS. Honestly, yeah. I mean, the the janitor Leoric thing was fucking hilarious. Like I saw like the, the, his entomb is a bathroom. It's it super well done. It was so cool. I don't even play Leoric, and I will buy that skin just because of the epicness that went into designing yeah. it. Yeah, and like we have these amazing mounts in the game. Like the last one that just came out, like before, um, before BlizzCon, which I haven't even bought yet, is this Wonder Billy mount, which is like you know completely like rainbow pony when he flips. He does a hair flip. Hey, I, we tell you what is lore safe and what is not lore safe, Jules. Okay. No, no, I am having fun and. I can say to all the haters, hate away, hate, hate, hate. I think she's great. I love it. I don't I, think we'll get any more, though. I think we're getting more for sure. Ooh. I absolutely Bold. do. You and Seven just, like, swinging for the fences with your predictions. Well, they started this whole comic series, and people were eating it up. Why would they stop? I bet you we get... I, I bet we do get the Raven Lord. It seems it's silly for us not to get the Raven Lord as a actual playable hero. Yeah. I mean, he's... He is like the – he's kind of the epitome of the whole system and why this whole universe of the Nexus is getting corrupted. And there's a ton of backstory that's just been laid out there. There's no reason why the game can't have its own lore. It's not about made-up lore. Every one of these games has made-up lore. Right. Welcome to fantasy. Like No, Brian. I uh, live in Teldrassil. What are you talking about? Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> I'm a night elf. I'm sitting in this chair right Married now. Married to a Tauren. Yeah, I just... It, yeah. This is stupid. Absolutely <laughs> stupid. I think she's great. I love the design. Definitely going to buy her. The high school theme skins. You don't have to buy dope. her. You went to BlizzCon. No, but I have to buy her skins, Oh, you right? have to buy her skins, I yeah. I have to buy her skins. And then lastly, so Blizzard introduced alongside of Orphea. Well, I shouldn't say introduced alongside of Orphea. What they did was gave us that Apple-style, like, random splash of things that we know nothing about that we then have to go to the next panel. They did an amazing job of making the opening ceremony just a giant ad for the virtual ticket. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I, I'm, I need to now go home and watch all of it because I want to hear what the panelists had to say about, about all of it. I feel like in the past... 
we've gotten more info at the opening ceremony, and then they let the developers add color to it. There might be the occasional thing that you learn for the first time at the panel. But this was literally, hey, you're getting Orphea, and then here's a bunch of stuff with no details. Go to the panel and find out. So in all of that, Mm -hmm. there were quite a few changes. What are the changes you think are going to have the biggest impact on competitive play? Competitive play, for sure. Um, the change to experience, they are actually changing the snowball-y me- mechanic that can happen on some battlegrounds because forts and towers and, and keeps are quite a bit of XP. You want to get them. You want to knock them down because, man, they give you a lot of experience. So what they're doing is they're removing all experience earned from destroying a fort or keep, which is huge. Wow. They're just decreasing experience earned from destroying towers by 50%, and then passive experiences gain, gain is increased by 15%. They're also pushing the laning experience tremendously, saying that uh, experience gained by defeating defending mercenaries is increased by 100%. Interesting. So now it's it's changing the landscape of the game. If you don't rotate lanes, if you don't go soak your game is not going to function the way it used to. Which has been the traditional MOBA player's big problem. Well, one of the big problems that they have with Heroes is that it has completely forgone the concept of the laning phase, which is very much a traditional League of Legends Dota concept where mm-hmm. you can't, you don't lane, right? You lose. Like, having a wave pushed up a little too far, like, not going down and, like, farming a lane, knocking somebody out of a lane for a minute, all those little minuscule timings can have drastic swings in traditional MOBAs and Blizzard, for the most part, has largely just not cared about laning. And now we've seen them make changes when they increase the power of the minions and the catapults. And now this is yet another thing. But what is interesting is they do that while also simultaneously not making it about the structures. Yes. And it's just making it more important for people to learn how to play to play the game properly. Because like, if you play Volskaya Foundry, which is one of the newer maps, one of the objectives is a protector. It's a two-person uh, a kind of like mount thing that you get as the objective. Similar like Cho'Gall, where you each get like a set of yes. Of things, so of one abilities. of them controls the function movement, and there's some uh, there's some powerful tools, and then the other one's like the gunner. And as soon as you like, they know is for you get the first protector. You're taking down a keep wall. You're gonna possibly take out a keep, guaranteed. Before so it's between levels eight and ten. Whoever gets that first protector is the key. It is absolutely the key because of all the XP that spirals out of control because you got, you're able to just destroy those structures. You get that early lead, you get the talent ability yep. advantage, and it just goes from there. And it is interesting like when you think about it from that perspective because you're almost getting hit twice, right? You are losing progress in the lane because they have taken down a structure while they also get a bunch of XP. So you're almost as the team that has lost the tower getting really like penalized twice. And what this is doing is saying, okay, they already get rewarded for making progression, but we're not going to also make it impossible once those first lane or two fall. And you see that happen quite a bit. Like it does not take, it's, it's very hard to overcome what happens when you lose a lane or two, especially early in the game. Yeah. And currently, I mean, I, as a casual player and someone who's worked with professional teams in the past, the concept of an offlaner role is very much not known in the like casual leagues. Y- you need an offlaner. You need an offlane hero. People don't think about that nope. because of the soaking and not even understanding the concept of you missed a lane of soak. 
that's important that needs to happen. So that's a huge change that's come around, which was surprising. I don't think anybody really saw this coming. Um, but from what they're saying, um, from what you know, I was watching Twitter, I was listening to some of the pros talk. They like it. You know, to be able to test it out this weekend, they like it. So I'm looking for I'm looking forward to see the impact it will have on the game going forward because that is pretty drastic, and we will see the impact both from you know the casual player all the way on up to the HGC. Yeah, and speaking of the casual player, they're giving a matchmaking improvement for quick match. It's actually the same kind of system that you that we have in World of Warcraft, where you're queuing for a dungeon and there's bonuses for certain roles. Um, that if you're trying now, you can queue as your role. So if you want to be a support player, you can queue as support. And actually, it's healer now. They changed the roles too. <laughs> yes, they added a bunch of new ones too. Right? It's six now. They removed the specialist role and they added support and healer as the two kind of like differentiations ranged assassin and melee assassin or melee assassin if you're european Me. uh and then bruiser and tank and those so those now are are specific roles that have been laid out this was teased out like i want to say like september ish because there was a t-shirt there was a long sleeve t-shirt that had new role icons on it that got, went on the store and everyone went Ooh! so yeah right. now more annoying quests that force me to play somebody i don't want to play yeah well yeah but now you can queue as that role in quick match and get a bonus if there if that role is in demand which is a pretty cool thing to do. I mean, I made a lot of money because they used to give gold away in World of Warcraft for that. If you and I, since I played a healer, I just like basically sat around and made it rain. Same, same, same. I would be a healer, and they'd be like, "Can you please play?" Yeah. So overall, like I'd say, a pretty damn good showing for Heroes of the Storm. Probably the most solid showing, to- you know, in totality at BlizzCon. We got the HGC Finals, which you know, probably the most predominant tournament there, even outside of maybe the Overwatch World Cup. But when it comes to like traditional blizzard esports leagues you know obviously the big deal uh we've got a new hero which is great not really a whole lot of disappointing announcements as you mentioned the community you know by and large found either things a pleasant surprise or things that we knew were coming yes so two thumbs up on that front yeah. uh there are some rumors we won't go into until we know that they're factual but it does sound like there's going to be some format changes for the hgc for next season which should not be surprising blizzard's tweaking all their formats uh let's just hope it doesn't make everything a best of three yeah no please no i've been hearing some rumblings but nothing i can share permanently or or you know like at the IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> I, watch I had my own IHOP experience. Did you see Seven and Forsaken it. over there when you were having breakfast this morning? No, I didn't. That's a shame. Sorry. Missed out. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. As always, you can catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eleaguereport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're on iTunes, tell us what you think of the show. Leave us a five-star review juices those algorithms make our bosses happy maybe next year we will get a, within like a half a mile of the convention center so my feet don't hurt so much your feet are gonna hurt no matter what brian i know but I, they're making it worse okay i just want to be close so when i get drunk at the hilton party it's a shorter walk back we're going there now i'll see you later oh, yeah, no no one believes that they all know we're too old for that crap uh you can also follow us on twitter and instagram at e-league podcast or if you want to troll us more directly you can join us over at our discord at discord.eleaguereport.com 
And if that's not enough esports content for you, be sure to check out the new E-League Daily for the day's top headlines, available as an Amazon Echo Flash Briefing, and of course, a regular old podcast forum, you know, if you're too curmudgeon for those smart speaker-type devices. Uh, yeah, but that's going to do it. It was a great. We have Jules on the episode. Seven's just hanging out in the background. I don't know what he's doing. Taking a nap. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention the fact that we drank Blizzard-themed beer at 9.30 in the morning during the opening ceremony. You are so baller. I know. Oh, man. It smelled like Fruity Mentos. It was like really weird. Okay. That's gross. At eight, nine, it, tasted, it, it tasted much better than it smelled. Okay. I, I, I promise you that. But that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Thursday with a deep dive on the League of Legends World Finals as well as the rest of the news on the midweek edition of the E. 